Ladies and gentlemen, let me start from a safe place tonight. Let me unleash the obvious by talking to you, first of all, that God loves the world. Look at your neighbor, say newsflash. God loves the world. God loves the nations. God loves the unbelievers. God loves the habitable part of the heart. God loves the people that are not saved. God did not die, did not send his son to die for the church. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He didn't give his only begotten son because he loved the church. For God so loved the world. The church is the extension of the ministry of Jesus Christ to reach out to the world. So no matter how fantastic we are, how wonderfully dressed we are, how much we enjoy ourselves, how that we're so few and we're going to heaven together, God is not so excited about that like for us to reach out to the world that he sent his only begotten son to die for this perspective a lot of christians in the 21st century must embrace god doesn't love you more than those rejected dejected frustrated unbelievers in the street god loves them equally after all you and i were unbelievers at some point in time yet god saw us with the eyes of faith and saw the diamond in the rod god says to tell you there are still some of my people that are at the other side and god is excited about churches that will leave the comfort zones of their worship and the exoterras of the gorgeous pumps uh, of, of, of the fellowship and every single thing they enjoy, they take the, the painstakingly get out of the church to go reach out to other people. May I please issue a disclaimer here that the morale behind this teaching is not to uh, populate this church or to increase. Even though we want increase, even though we want enlargement, even though we know that this is a mega church, even though we know that God wants us to expand, expand our ten pegs and also make room for other people to come in. But the morale behind this series is not to expand the church or to make you uh, invite people to the church. We're talking about depopulating hell and populating the kingdom of God. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Ladies and gentlemen, the major reason why God left you and I on the face of the earth, I believe strongly, is to win souls. Apart from, listen to me, out of every single thing we do on the face of the earth, the only thing that cannot be done in heaven is winning of souls. Do we pray? We, people pray in heaven. The Bible says the chief, the chief shepherd ever seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the saints. So they pray in heaven. Worship goes on in heaven. Do you worship here? God didn't leave us here because he wanted us to worship in this place. God left us here because he wants us to win souls. It will be too late in heaven to be winning souls. So the reason why he left us here after we were saved is so we will win other people. Prayer goes on in heaven. Worship goes on in heaven. Fellowship goes on in heaven. There is nothing we are doing here apart from the fact that we are supposed to be winning souls that they don't do in heaven. So I have a sneaky little feeling that the reason why God left us here is to win souls. When Jesus was leaving, before he left, he opened the blind eyes. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He turned water to wine. There was nothing he did not do. One of the most phenomenal miracles of Jesus Christ was when he told the ten lepers, go and show yourself to the high priest. And as they went, the Bible says they were cleansed. He didn't even need to touch them. There was a man that did not have the eyeball socket. And Jesus Christ bent down to prove to us that he was the one that created in the book of Genesis. And he used mud to make the eyeball socket. I told him to go and wash it in the pool of Siloam. And as the guy washed, the, the soft clay 
became hard and it became white, became the eyeball. Creative miracles happened. Several things happened, ladies and gentlemen. I can never forget the widow of Nain that lost a child. There was an attack on the male factor in, in our life. She lost the husband and the only son she heard she lost. Just at the point when she was getting out of the gate of Jerusalem, the Bible says Jesus looked at her and had compassion on her and taught the coffin and said, Weep not. And the Bible says he taught the coffin and the baby, the boy, rose up back to life. Jesus Christ did miracles. Talk about signs and wonders. Talk about miracles. But Jesus said something. He said, all these things you've seen are nothing to compare with the miracles that we all call later. He said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. You will do things that I cannot do. You will do things that I could not even do when I was on the face of the earth. What was it that Jesus Christ could not do? Jesus Christ could not save one person. He did miracles. He showed signs and wonders. But not one person could be born again when Jesus Christ was here. I have a sneaky little feeling that the greater walks uh, is not really, really the opening of eyes. Uh, that the greater walks uh, is not really, really, really the raising of the dead. Those things are advertisements uh, to actually bring people to the knowledge of the glorious gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, greater walks have been reserved for you and I. And that's the reason why Jesus Christ left us on the face of the earth to do the greater walks. Not your neighbors who were, who were left here to win souls. Come and look at another neighbor. Say, new neighbor. It's no longer necessary for you to be bothered about so many things. Be bothered about your assignment and every other thing shall be added unto you. Can somebody shout hallelujah? In Mark 16 and verse 15 that I read to you, the Bible says, and he said to them, go into all the world. Go into all the world. Of course, we know that the word world here is not cosmos, it's ethnos. And it speaks about different aspects of life, different spheres of life. There is a media world, there's the banking world. It doesn't only refer to geographical locations here. There is a media world, there's a medical world. Just like Brother Cowdy was speaking on Sunday, talking to you, you are already in a chariot. God has already positioned you somewhere that you have the platform to preach the gospel. Now, it's only a foolish fisherman that waits at home for the fish to appear in his frying pan. We're going to talk about that later. Because the kind of fish you want to kill will determine the kind of river you go to. The kind of fish you want to kill will also determine the kind of method you deploy or employ. Some fishes, use; they, they, they are attracted to worms. Some fishes are attracted to some baits. Some are attracted to blood. Some are attracted to fishes. And you don't want to catch a shark and go to Jabi Lake. It's not there. That's why some churches can't grow. They're not where who God sent them to. Ah, oh, God sent you to the low class. They're not at Asokoro. If you're a village missionary, please leave Asokoro. Go to the village. Go to Coma Hills. I want you to know that God allows people you are sent to to respond to you. Noah, the Bible says, the animals came to him, two by two. Noah did not look for the animals. I hope you caught that. Noah did not look for the animals. They came to him. 
Lion and lioness came and submitted. Said, we heard. God said we should come. After today, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says Peter was busy eating. He was busy waiting for food to be prepared for him to eat. And the centurion sent for him. In the name of Jesus, the centurions of this land will send for you. I don't know if that prayer is for you. But in the name of the Lord Jesus, they will send for you. After tonight, get ready for that message. Get ready for that knock on your door. Get ready for the text message. Get ready for your boss to say, talk to me. Get ready for people that will help you. People that matter in places to send for you. If I'm talking about you, let me hear your email like thunder. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is referred to as the Great Commission. This is referred to as the Great Commission. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a great option. This is not a great opinion. (laughs) This is not a great suggestion. This is a great commission. This is not a great offer. This is not a great option. This is the Great Commission. If you knew what commission was, it's the same thing as mandate. God has mandated you and I to go into the world. It is not the pastor's job. It is not the church church member's job. It is our job as the member of the body of Christ. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Paul Bracardi really preached on Sunday. He mentioned the fact that you couldn't be stabilized as a Christian except you started to witness to souls. I'm going to show you some dangerous scriptures probably on Sunday to substantiate all these things I'm talking about. Proverbs 11.30 which was read to you on Sunday also. Proverbs 11.30 Glory be to God. Bible says the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. In other words, life can extend from you to other people. The fruit of your being righteous the fruit, the result of you being at peace with God. A be, the fruit, the result, the offspring of God being pleased with you brings out life. You can give life. There's a life-giving spirit in you. You can meet people and change the curse of their destiny. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. I'm going to talk about that later. It doesn't say he that talks to people. It doesn't say he that invites people to church. It doesn't say he that evangelizes. See, he that at the end of the day wins it. Takes strategy. Because they that know their God will be strong. And they will do exploits. He's talking about exploits here. He's not just talking about you taking the megaphone and doing the 1940 thing. Talking about you strategizing. When Philip got to the, to, the, to the Ethiopian eunuch, he didn't say, Thus hear the Lord. God said, actually, he said, Does that understand what thou readest? Strategy. And the guy said, How can I understand? There was a problem he was solving. He that wins souls. Not a soul. Souls. Not one. He that wins is a lifestyle. 
He that wins souls is smart. Somebody said to me, Pastor Biedo, what's the secret of finance in your church? I wanted to say the normal things I say to people. The Holy Ghost told me, tell him the truth. I said, we can spend any amount of money to win souls. He said, is that it? I said, yeah, that's it. Imagine that you are invisible. You have an assignment. So you are on the earth, but you are not visible. You have four sons. One keeps the money in the bank. And time is not on their side. The other one mices money. The other one spends money on other things. And there's one that spends money on the assignment. Who will you give more money? Watch any church that prospers. They're not the ones that mice money. They're not the type that says, Ah! For, is it not church? Do it anyhow. No. They place premium on the kingdom things. Now, those who don't understand, we say, Why are you wasting money? Why are you? Have you ever seen any bank at the backside of town before? Excuse me, you're preaching me down today. I said, have you ever seen any bank? There is a bank, there's a bank on, 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 I don't know what you call this road. If you hit this road, this road here, and go straight as if you're going to Gimbia, on the way to Apo, there's one bank on the road there. They lease a land, build a bank there. And I can, please don't quote me, but I can, I can, I can tell you that they pay to Amak every month, a millionaire plus. Because the, the, the land is not for bank. And yet they want to pay just to be strategically located. Now, these are people who are taking people's money. And there's no eternal value. But you, what you're offering people, has eternal value. And yet you want to be at the backside. No, no, no. See, you, know, you don't waste money. You Even if you go to the people will come now. Even if you go to the bush. Some people don't understand the urgency. They don't know the blood that is flowing in the vein of God. Listen to me, we can be friends and talk every day. Talk about business, talk about football, talk about everything. And you don't even know what I care about. Newsflash, what God really cares about is souls. I don't want to mention the name of any ministry. But I know ministries whose goals for the past 10 years I've been following them has been souls, souls, souls. And they don't lack money. Why? Because they channel the money in the right place. Now, we may not be telling you souls, 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 but that is what we stand for. That is what we stand for. We're not perfect, but that's what we stand for. That's what we stand for. We just want to win souls. We just want to do it differently to touch lives. We are reaching out to the unchurched people. People who don't like church. People who thought church was a mediocre place. People thought church was for, for, for low-rated people. That's why we don't dress anyhow. We don't want to look expensive. But you see, these guys are upwardly mobile. They, 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 they think the, um, when you are, your, 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 your suit is like shoot, they think you don't know what you're talking about. I went to a particular church in Ghana. The ushers that welcomed me, I was sure they had armors in their pockets. The pockets were showing out. Even as a pastor, I was irritated. Let alone the unchurched. An unchurched person is, is a polished person. Went to school, they are the type that calls themselves self-made men. 
because they 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 they, they don't they don't they don't like some. That's why we don't we don't preach gimmicks. We we preach for you to to reason logically with us because we know you are intelligent people that God has sent us to. And that's why we do things the way we do stuff. That's why our prints are not a quackery quack. Because yeah, I'm telling you the truth. Not because we want to waste money. If you saw the bills of pastoral care units for the parks and everything every month, I tell you the truth, no pastor would like to endorse that. But if you have souls at the end of, 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 of everything you do, there's a, there's a perspective you have. It is not about church building. I'm telling you the truth. When you build the people, people will build the church building. It should occur naturally. It's not about church building. There are church buildings in England that you have no people there. The church building is in Lagos. You have no people there. Because building is nothing. You are the church. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Please let me remind you at this juncture that hell is real. Hell is not a metaphor. Hell is not you being stuck in a traffic in Wuse on a Friday afternoon. Hell is not you having a bad day at work. Hell is a real place with real fire, real torment, real pain, real flames. Can somebody shout hallelujah? When we win souls, we snatch people from the jaws of hell. And so you must understand what we're dealing with here. It's not something that we just want to pass by or gloss over. We have a godly obligation to snatch people from the mouth of the yawning gulf called hell. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to talk to people about Christ. God wants us to share the good news that is no longer angry with people any longer. That's the reason why you were saved, and that's the major reason why you were left on the face of the earth. Second Corinthians chapter number five. I read from verse seventeen to twenty. Second Corinthians chapter number five. I read from verse seventeen to twenty. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Tap your neighbor, say, it starts with you. Come on, help me preach, say, it starts with you. So there's no way you can share it. There's no way you can give what you never had. So it starts with you. So after God finished with you, or I'd started a process with you, he says, now, all things are of God. I'd like you to echo that to your neighbor. Say, now, all things are of God. Say, your time. Your life, your money, your intellect, your swag, everything about you. Now that you are born again, all things are to be put to use for the kingdom. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Read the next thing. Ready, read. Ready, read. Ready, read. That's not everybody. Ready, read. Things are now of God. My money, my time, my breath, my intellect, my every single thing. Who has reconciled me? To reconcile means to make a peace, to make the same to Himself through Christ Jesus. He doesn't just leave us there, He gives us a ministry. There is not one person here that is not called to ministry. You may not be called to be a full time pastor, you may not be an evangelist. There is not one Christian who genuinely had an encounter with God who was not given the ministry. What's the ministry? What's the word ministry? Diaconos. The service 
You must serve in that capacity to reconcile other people to Jesus. Look at the next verse in verse 18. Verse, verse 20, beg your pardon. It says, now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, we represent Christ. That's the reason why you can't be broke. That's the reason why you shouldn't be sick. You need health to reconcile other people. You need money to reconcile other people. You need a good car to reconcile other people. I can never forget one day. One guy that grew up in the neighborhood where I grew up in Ilori. You know, in those days, God blessed me with a Camry. And my opinion, I drove the best car as a young pastor. And I saw him. He was sweating on one hot afternoon. I'm sure he was smelly and everything. I picked him up just to do exploits. That guy had been to prison many times. Yet he was my friend. And I, I picked him up. And he sat in my car. I didn't even ask him where I was going. I was ready to take him everywhere, anywhere he wanted to go to. And I started to talk to him. You know what? God is good, so good. He said to me, Abby, don't say anything. I can see. He said, tell me how. Don't tell me all the... I can see. Don't waste your time. That will be your testimony. In the name of Jesus. That's the kind of preaching me I understand. Not the type that, you know, everything is tattered all around you. You are telling people to come and be like you. And they're like, be like you? Oh God, no. Never. That's why you must go for these things. How many cars will you drive? How many houses will you live in? How many clothes will you wear? The reason for these things is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. See, your heavenly father knows you need these things. For the gospel, you need it. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can somebody shout hallelujah? We are ambassadors for Christ. I want you to read verse 18 one more time. Verse 18. Quickly guys. Verse 18. Now all things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. Very important. Verse 19. That is. That is. God was inside Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them any longer. In other words, the day Jesus died and God accepted the sacrifice, God was propitiated. The enemy of Elohim's name was written in the book of life. Pastor, you don't know what happens when people get to heaven. Do you think angels are dummy that they will be checking? They saw it. Hoping you preach to them. Hoping they received the eternal life. Now it's been made available. But you need to preach to them for them to receive it. There are a lot of things that may be available to you but you refuse to receive them. So when they look and they don't see your name in the book of life, then they announce to you. We don't know how because when Jesus died, your name was here. But it disappeared because... The day you died, the opportunity to receive it left you. That will not be your portion. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says that is. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. 
He didn't only give us the ministry of reconciliation, he also gave us the content. So there's a way to preach to unbelievers. It's not to condemn them. It's not to scare them. There's a word of reconciling people back to God. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can somebody shout hallelujah? But sadly, many of us, we don't see ourselves as ambassadors. We think if God wants to touch them, he should touch them now. I will just bring him to church. If, he, if God, in fact, I just, I'm just praying for you. If God just wants to, I just, I just believe that one day God will touch them. God wants to touch them, he will touch them. Listen, you are God's ambassadors. You are representing God here. You are his mouthpiece here. It depends on you. The Holy Ghost cannot preach to them. He can only preach to them through you. That is why Christ is not the hope of glory. But Christ in you is the hope of glory. It depends on you. As you open up your mouth, it backs your words up with power. But you need to open that your mouth. You need to position yourself in such a way that God can use you to transform generations and to turn many back from the destiny of destruction that the enemy has already pre-programmed for them. Let us ask ourselves a few straight questions today. Can we please ask ourselves some few straight questions today? Please, I'd like you to answer me if you are here with me. Do you or do we genuinely love and care about people that don't know Jesus? Yes or no? I think yes. I think yes. I want to believe yes. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Do you believe that hell is a place of torment? Unequivocally yes. How many believe that hell is a real place and is a place of torment? Bible says the place of gnashing of teeth. Yoruba says, sorry, my vernac- sorry about my vernacular, but it means that the, the teeth will greet and will be sounding. It's a place where the worm eats and the body does not devour. The place of pain. How many believe that hell is a real place? Come on, can, can, can we can we ask, ask ourselves some straight questions here? Do you believe people's eternal destiny is sealed at death? Do you believe that that their eternal destiny is sealed at death? If you believe that, can I hear your yes? One minute after the person dies, you can't do anything about the person's eternity. Yes or no? There are religions that believe that you go and pray for the dead and appease God. That's not true. Bible says it's appointed for a man to die once, after which is what? Judgment. So every time you see an unbeliever walking on the checkup payments of mortality, you see an opportunity, you see a potential heaven-bound person. No matter whether it goes in his pocket or it's an amber, you see a potential heaven-bound person. You see someone that heaven has paid a price for. You see someone that the enemy is trying to torment and divert their cause. But naturally, God has paid and the collector received. The Bible says in First Corinthians six nineteen, Bible says you are the body. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. And whenever a, a product is paid for, there must be exchange. So receipt was given to you, and when Jesus was living, he said, "Go to that place." You know, recently we we, we bought something from the U.S. and there's a particular brother who loves this church, who lives in New York. When I was living in New York, the thing was not ready. And so I gave him the receipt. I said to him, please, I'm leaving your name and your address in this particular shop. You, you're going to have to go there to collect those stuff for me and send those things. Do you know, did you know that since the last time I left U.S., he has not sent those things? And when I was just thinking about that, God said, that's the same way. I paid. I gave you the receipt. Just go collect it. Go claim it. 
and you've not showed up there. So I have to travel now to, to probably go standing for church to make sure we get our stuff. But you know the funny thing, by the time Jesus comes back, it will be too late for them. So God depends on us. And Brad Cowley quoted a scripture on Sunday how that some people's blood may be on your head because you, don't, you refuse to speak to those you need to speak to. God will open our eyes tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. Fourth question, do you believe that people will go to hell if they did not receive Jesus before they died? Undeniably, yes. So what are we waiting for? If it is so, how much is too much to spend on souls? If it is so. If all we're trying to do is to snatch people from the jaws of hell, then who is supposed to be on the main road? Who is supposed to be on the best facility? Who is supposed to be in the faces of the people? Who is supposed to enter people's houses without knocking? Is it chairman, Hap, or Koza? Who should be on the TV every night? Is it Gouda or MTN? Who wants to be a millionaire? Who should be there? They are just releasing gimmicks just to make people buy their products. We are doling to them. What does not only matter here, but things that will matter in the life after. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can somebody shout hallelujah? You know, I tell you to switch off your phones in church, but I want you to bring out your phones right now if you can. And switch it on right now. You have the opportunity to do that. And span through the phone book. Span through every phone book, every, every name on your phone book. And please tell me the name you want to allow to go to hell on that your phone book. You have a lot of people on your phone books that are not saved. People you, you mingle with. People you, 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 you walk with. People you rub shoulders with. People you call every day. People you send text messages to every day. And yet, they are hell bound and you are keeping quiet I want you please tonight to give me names of people you want to go to hell if you are not doing anything about it know that the life given to you is given to you because it can be extended to other people you are holding it back you are not as nice as you thought I am not saying you should be rude and get on people's faces and tell them you are going to hell if you are not saved that's a message for another day. But you see, you must be very passionate. My pastor, when I was a teenager, just got born again. He narrated the story when he gave his life to Christ. When he just gave his life to Christ, he went to his hometown and saw his younger brother doing the things they used to do. He told him, you must be born again. That guy laughed. He slapped him. As I slapped him, he went on his knees. He said, I said you should be born again. He said, is it that serious? I said, yes. He said, okay, I want to be born again now. Passion sometimes. I'm not saying you should do that. If you slap an unbeliever, he might be able to do that better than you. And if you want to do that, make sure it's your younger brother. The great commission is a mandate. And you know the word mandate is from the Latin word mandatu. That talks about a what? Commanded instructions. Can somebody shout hallelujah? So it's not for some special elite force SAS people. The Greek commission is not for some special elite force SAS people. It's for everybody. Everybody that is a member of the body of Christ has the assignment to actually carry out the great commission. 
That may be the reason why you are broke. Because you don't need money for self-advertisement. You need it for the gospel. You need it for the gospel. That's maybe, that may be the reason why you're broke. You tell me why God should give you another car. If you come to church alone. You don't reach out to people. All you do is to enjoy yourself. And all you think about is yourself. Tell me why God should give you another car. Tell me the reason why God should make you leave in 2012. And I'm not scaring you. But I'm just giving you food for thought. Tell me the reason why. You know Kenneth Egan's younger sister died of a disease. And Kenneth Egan prayed and the girl came back to life. She didn't only come back to life, she was healed totally. And after many years, she had a worse disease and died. And Kenneth Egan went to God and said, God, affliction should not rise a second time. What you've done, you've done forever. Why did you have to do this? And God said, the years she lived, the three years she came back to life, what did she do on the face of the earth? What were the things she contributed to the kingdom of God? God is not a waster. Believe me. When Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread, he said they should gather the rest so that there should be no waste. Bible speaks about, and Brackard even mentioned it, speaks about a particular guy that planted a vineyard. That parable scares the living daylight out of me. I know that's wrong for a scripture to scare you as a Christian, but I tell you the truth, there's this kind of stuff it does to me. It raises the hair at the back of my neck. Somebody had a vineyard, put people there, managing it, flop making it, spending money on it. Two years later, I came back expecting results. Tap your neighbor and say, God expects results from you. Expecting results. And the, the, the vineyard didn't give him anything. And the, the vine dresser begged him and said, Give me yet one more year. Ah, ah. Could it be that God is demanding some results from your life? And he's saying, give him one more year. I don't know. I'm not trying to scare you. But the Bible says after one more year, the thing remained the same. Didn't produce the same lifestyle, the same choices, the same result, the same things he embraced. One of the best things you can do to yourself is to repent. Be smart to repent. Every other person may look down on you thinking you're still the same person. But be the type that you can judge yourself. And change your mind. And get to God in the place of prayer. And turn around. And let everybody expect judgment. And because you turn around, you embrace mercy. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can somebody shout hallelujah? There is a matter of urgency. That's why I'm preaching with so much passion. In John chapter 9 and verse 4, Jesus said, I must walk the walk of him that sent me while it is day. For the night cometh when no man can walk. I must walk the walk of him that sent me while it is day. For the night cometh when no man, no man can walk. You see, that scripture makes me feel that every human being has a night time. Every human being has a night time. And when we talk about this day and night, we're not talking about the literal day and night. We're talking about dispensation. We're talking about a season. We're talking about a due time. And I believe strongly that you and I have night times. The unbeliever out there have night times. There is a time I'm going to preach for the last time. There's a time you, you are going to be able to preach for the last time. Quiet, there's a day you're going to sing for the last time. Each one of you. It's not a prophecy of doom. There's a day you're going to do that for the last time. And you know what? The time before the last does not announce. So walk as if Christ is coming anytime. You see good Christians. They go just and something happens and they just fall dead. And I'm telling you the truth, in all your seriousness, be scared of the day you're going to leave this earth. Make sure that the master find you so 
doing. Take away malice. Take away anything you're trying to prove. Because I tell you the truth, there's a day you will stand in a room. Nobody will be there apart from you and God. And they will ask you to give account of your stewardship. I hope that day you will have a few things to say. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Forget about who didn't greet you. Forget about who greeted you. Forget about the... Listen to me. I have pastored churches before. I've pastored in this church before that nobody greeted me. Have a better reason for doing what God wants you to do than anybody's endorsement. Am I, am I, am I, am I talking? Am I talking? Because every true faith will be tested. Every true love will be tested. I did birthdays upon birthdays upon birthdays that people, people didn't even greet me. For the past three years now, every day of my birthday, they give me cars. Very lovely cars. That didn't happen nine years ago. I went home and nobody, you would even walk past people, they wouldn't even greet you. At best, they gave you cards. Have a better reason than anybody to be at your duty post. Am I talking? Tap your neighbor, say, it's getting quiet, but pastor is preaching good. There's a time you preach for the last time, and that's your night. On the other side of eternity, you can't preach any other sermon again. You can't encourage. <laughs> you remember the story of the, of the rich man and Lazarus. When he saw that there was a yawning God between light and darkness, and that hell was real, he begged Abraham. He said, listen, I'm not only even bothered about myself now. Can I please go back to preach to my other brothers? And Abraham said, if they could not believe Moses. In other words, if they could not read, believe the Bible, they would not believe you. Because Moses was the Pentateuch, the first five, Bible, five, first five books in the Bible. Um, Genesis to Deuteronomy. He said, if they did not believe Moses, they would not believe you. In other words, the word of God is more valid, carries more weight than even the report of anybody that rose from the dead. That's what I'm trying to say. Can somebody shout hallelujah? That guy said, let me go back. Because from where he was, he could not preach again. That privilege is for you because you are still in the skin. You are still in the flesh. And to an unbeliever also, there's a time when he will not be able to need the gospel again. Because while in the grave, there is nothing you can do. Oh, we go there to pay the last respect. Pastors try to say the nice things and say, he was a good man. <laughs> good man. Good manship. Don't take people to heaven. You need to be born again. And look at your father. Just don't give him money. Find time. Travel home. Put to him. Look at your mom. I, I think my wife is so blessed. Her grandfather spoke in tongues. Her grandmother spoke in tongues. Her mom, the day I went to the, her, her house for the first time, I was waiting in the sitting room and somebody rattled in tongues for one hour. I said, who is that? He said, that's my mom. I made up my mind that this would be my wife. I made up my mind from that point. That's your mom? I don't want to marry a woman that the mother is a witch. If the devil is your in-law, you're in trouble. You can't keep your in-laws from coming to your house. My God, how I wish my grandfather prayed in tongues. Oh! Ah! Your grandfather at 75 
When I met my father-in-law, my father-in-law told me, he said to me, he said, my, my, my wife's parents spoke in tongues throughout the day for years. I'm eating out of it today. Some level of grace. Glory be to God. So you may not have that pedigree like I don't have. You can start it in your generation. Glory be to God. I think our children are blessed. I think our children's children are blessed. They won't go through what you're going through. That is why you must make sure. I believe that salvation is a household package. Believe in the Lord your God. You and your household shall be saved. Nobody in your household should go to hell. It's your responsibility. I said it's your responsibility. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Can somebody shout hallelujah? Sadly, the major assignment that was given to church when Jesus was leaving is the assignment that we neglect. Right now, I'm so boring to somebody right now. I came here to hear the pastor. Is this what he's going to tell me? We have a need. See the song the choir sang. It's your time for miracle. I need a miracle. You are talking to me about winning souls. Maybe that's why you are stuck. Because they that know God do exploit. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. Glory be to God. And the devil understands the impact of Greek commission. So he spends over time to distract churches. We could be the most beautiful church, yet no impact. We could have the best of worship, yet no impact. We could have the best of word. Everywhere is upside down. We love the word, but we're not reaching out. The thing is, there is no neutrality. It's either people go to hell or they're going to heaven. No neutrality. In all the political correctness and in all the being careful in 21st century, you must have that at the back of your mind. That there's no neutrality. Is it that people have been swept to hell or they are being ushered to heaven? So the enemy knows that a church that does not have the mentality of the, of, of, of the, of the what, do you, what do I call it? The great commission. They may do every other thing but that. He knows that people are in that church on their way to begin in hell. So he doesn't care if they go to that church. He doesn't care the offering they give there. He doesn't care how much scriptures they know. He doesn't care the position they give them. Some of them are deacons. Some of them are uh, elders. They just give them all those things. The devil is just having a great laugh because he knows that after all, his kingdom is not depopulating. But I have a sneaky little feeling that there's a bunch of people in this place tonight that are getting out of this place today to go and depopulate hell. They are getting out of this place today with a fire and with a passion, understanding their assignment as ambassadors of Christ. The devil has sold us a very fantastic lie. And I, in my own feeling, I think the lie is working. What we're doing now is to pick on people. Uh, this happened to you. That happened to you. You are not praying very well. You must be this, you must be that. We're fighting each other instead of us to understand that we're in the middle of the battle and bullets may hit somebody. What we do is not to drag the person away. We need to treat the person. And understand that there's a battle. The enemy is not giving up on anybody in this place until the day you go to heaven. He still thinks you will come back. But I have a sneaky little feeling 
That people will rise up in the middle of the night to pray for people. People will hold hands with people. People will say, what you've done is wrong, but I'm going to stand with you. We know that you, 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 you took the wrong step, but we're going to stand with you. You need to be won back, because where you're heading for is a way to damnation. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Evangelism has become a finger-pointing concept. Evangelism has become a finger-pointing concept. It's, it's you. It's you. The pastor says, you must be the one to win souls. The member says, no, pastor, we won't deal with anything as much as the soul of human beings. We are not called. You are the anointed man. You are the one that should be winning souls. The pastor says, no. Quickly, he turns to Ephesians 4 and verse 12. And he says, he gives some apostles, gives some prophets, gives some evangelists, gives some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for ministry. I'm not supposed to do the ministry. You are supposed to do the ministry. And the, the, the church members also point to him and say, sir, sir, you are the head of the church. You are the anointed. We are not called. You are the one that is called. And you know, sadly so, the pastor is a majority, is a minority, poor pastor. The majority of the church member points to him and says to him, you must be the soul winner. That is what the enemy has succeeded in doing. But I know that there's a church called Koza where both the pastor and the members understand that it's not a one-man job. Can I say something to you here? If one man wins 100,000 souls, let me say this. If one man wins 100 souls, it is not joy in heaven like when 100 men win 100 souls. Because 100 men will be able to take care of those 100 souls. Did you catch what I'm trying to say to you? Most of the souls won in crusades. Do they stand? That is not to say crusade is wrong. A lot of us here are products of crusades. But can you deal with 50% of this church 1,500 people launching out to win souls. Can you deal with that? Did you know what is going to happen? <laughs> the pastor said to the, to the church, I'm a shepherd. Sheep give back to sheep. Shepherd don't give back to sheep. Go. A pastor in the house today, I want to read to you Second Timothy 4.5. Paul was admonishing his son in the Lord, who was the pastor of the church in Ephesus. He says, but you be watchful in all things. You must endure affliction. Then another major instruction I want to give you, do the work of an evangelist so you can fulfill your ministry. Do it. I know you're a pastor. But pick your Bible. Witness to people. Talk to your driver. Talk to your house girl. People that cut your hair must be saved. People that sew your clothes must be saved. Do the work of an evangelist. Let them see you once in a while. Pastor. Let them see you once in a while. A silver bird. You and your wife, you're talking to someone. Hi, Pastor, what are you doing? Witnessing soul. Touching lives in the plane. Talk to somebody. Do the work of an evangelist. Pastor, let not your message be without touching lives. You may not even give out a call sometimes. There's such a thing as the inner walking that brings out the outside expression from the spirit. But make sure it's kingdom field. The service is Jesus. Focused. 
Everything is about Jesus. Not that you give them 30 minutes advice or 15 minutes advice. And we talk about the building project for two hours. What I just said in vernacular is the offering last week is the children's church 400 naira. The mail 2005. People will clap and say, yes, they're accountable. We are talking about the offering. It's good to be accountable. It's good to be transparent. But make sure in all that you do, the souls are in place. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Ladies and gentlemen, every one of us need to win souls. Collective responsibility. When your pastor is giving out a call, you ought to be praying. Praying under your breath. Lord, I'm in charge of this, my role. When your pastor tells you, it's your moment. Talk to somebody. Don't be looking like Lukeman. Talk to somebody passionately. And say, brother, can I come with you? I attended a particular witness chapel many years ago. The church was very small, but the overflow was so much. With a lot of rooms. A lot of rooms. And I stood there as a, as a, as a new person. The songs they were singing. I wasn't used to the Yoruba songs they were singing. And all these Tungba songs they were singing. I was just looking, you know. I, I was a Christian, but I was just looking and observing. How these guys were excited. excited. One, one lady came to me and said to me, excuse me. Why are you not dancing? Come on, dance with me. Come on, dance, dance. God has been good to you. You look good. Dance with me. And I found myself dancing. They are creating a culture. Pastor was downstairs, but somebody who understood that they ought to win souls together. Move together. You don't understand what is going on. My wife went to City Plaza today. And some man followed her. I said, excuse me. And you, you trust Pastor Dele. She was like, me? She said, okay. Hello, sir. And she said, anyway, long and short, I'm reverend, so, 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 so. You know, this may be funny to you. My wife and I wanted to change our wedding band. And while she was testing in England, she forgot it on the place. So we couldn't go back to collect it. So because the guy didn't see wedding band on, on her, I said, um, there's a man in your life. Like she's an aristo. She saw, he saw the car she brought. Lovely car. I said, no, this woman must be an aristo. No ring on her hand. You know, there are words from knowledge. You know, word, word of knowledge. <laughs> and uh, say, you know, I'm reverend so so so. And there's a man in your life. There is not your husband. You better leave. Hello. So Pastor Lily turned and said to him, I'm a Christian. I'm not just a Christian. I'm a pastor. The man disappeared. Now imagine, ladies and gentlemen, imagine. Can I come close to you? Imagine that Pastor Dele was a young Christian or an unbeliever. Imagine the pastors in town right now who found themselves, not every one of them, please, not all the pastors, but we have a handful of pastors in town who found themselves in this city because they thought that they picked gold on the, on the, on the street of Abuja. Now they've got bills to pay, they've got stuff to pay for, and because they don't have that, they, 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 they meet you on the road and give you fake prophecies, and because you're not preaching to the people, the word and the truth you've been giving here, you're not extending it to the people. A lot of people are falling prey 
follow Pastor David from the car park with a nice car. I say, here comes the prey. Now, giving her that prophecy, she would have been shaking. And you know one other thing? The guy removed his glasses and looked straight into her eyes. And when Pastor Dilly yelled at him, he was so shocked that the jazz did not work. You have the truth. We don't have a right to condemn them. Somebody is speaking every day. If you claim you have the truth, why are you not speaking? We ought to speak now. We ought to speak now. We ought to speak now. That is why we are going to do free CD distribution in this church. We go to some neighborhoods and say, we're not just here. We, you may not even know what to say, but I, I'm giving you my pastor's CD. Please listen to it. Can I have your number so I call you up if you, if you have any question on the word that you heard my pastor preach? You could ask me. You don't even need to talk to my pastor. I sat on him for a year. I, have, I sat on him for six months. I can answer your questions. There are a lot of things going on. And God is so sad about it. And that's the reason why you need to be so passionate about what I'm talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, people are either ushered to heaven or hell. And some of these people going to hell are right under your watch. Some of them, you, you, some of them are under your custody. Some of them are your nephews and your nieces. And they're going to hell. Can I give you the statistics in 2010? 2010 statistics claims that every minute 180,000 people beg your pardon, 180 people dies every minute that's almost 2 people per second since I started preaching how many people have died now 2010 I've not seen 2011 2010 statistics 180 people die every minute now the question is this if 180 people die every minute and per, per second, two people dies. How many of them go to hell? The question is, how many of them go to heaven? So winning is the greatest expression of your dominion mandate. Is the greatest expression of your dominion mandate. They came to call Abraham and said, your nephew, Lot, has been seized. <laughs> Abraham laughed. And said, Satan, you can have another person on another day. Not today. At least not my nephew. Not somebody who is under my watch. Tap your neighbor and say, not again. Not somebody under my watch. None of my cousins will ever, none of my colleagues will ever go to hell. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Please don't sit there and start thinking that my cousin that died, that my uncle that died, they're on their way back in hell right now. Don't only feel bad. Know that there are other opportunities that God is placing before you right now. And say to yourself, not another day. The Bible says Abraham went. That was the greatest expression of his dominion mandate. And it took a few people. To go and snatch back from the jaws of hell. Those that have been taken. Did you know that some people from your camp have been arrested and taken captive? And all you do is to gossip about them. Tap your neighbor and say, not again. Not again. Number two. Did you see David in 1 Samuel 30? He came back to his camp. And the Amalekites have come to take away his wives and children. 
And the Bible says they wept, weeping, don't change circumstances, condemning them, complaining about them. Did you know my elder brother sold out my father's property? Did you know that my cousin did this, did they? Did you know that my friend is a thief? It's not enough. If the Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It turns things around. Bible says David went. He, he, he pursued and overtook and recovered all. Somebody say pursue. Say overtake. Say recover all. Say pursue. Say overtake. Say recover all. Lift up your hands in one minute and say I will recover all. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, when he died, he went down to hell. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 8, he that ascended, first of all, descended. He did not ascend until he descended first. It's time for us to come down to their level. It's time for us to show them love. It's time for us to give them some of our shirts, give them some of our materials, go stay in their houses, show them love, hold their hands and pray for them and come down to their level to ascend with them. The Bible says he let out a crowd of captives. King James says he led captivity captives. That was an expression of his dominion mandate. That look, I won't just allow people under my watch to continue to bake in hell. They were captives, but he released them. Tap your neighbor, say, not on my watch. Say, nobody again will go to hell. Finally, I show you the scripture and I close. First Corinthians 9 and verse 16. And this is the passion I want you to leave this church with. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. Glory be to God. See Paul here. He says, for if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. It's not a big deal. If someone slaps me because I preach to them, if you appreciate me, if you come after the service to give me an envelope. I can boldly tell you that I have never said to anybody in this church, I've been pastoring you for years. Have you given me something before? Never. Never. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast. Pastor Biodo, you preach well, I have nothing to boast. After all, God gave me the message. Release the unction to make you like what you heard. How can somebody talk to you for one hour and you are not replying and you, you are not bored? That must be God. He said, for necessity is laid upon me. Don't think I always want to come and preach in this church. Don't think so. Don't think so. But necessity is laid. Yes. He says, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Let us pray.